Welcome to Before Showtime with Connor and Marcelo. This is Marcelo speaking. This is Connor speaking. And, and today we have a new guest on the show. We have Sean with us, also known as Math Teacher Movies from Instagram. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I've been wanting to talk about this movie a lot, so I'm happy to talk about it again here. That's awesome. Just to give a quick little introduction, Sean, do you want to give the audience a little bit about what you do and, you know, what you do on Instagram and other platforms? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, um, I got sick of uh, posting on my personal page about movies, and I'm sure my followers got sick of me doing that as well. So uh, I ended up uh, just making my own uh, little movie Instagram, and it's grown quite considerably since then. Um, and uh, in that time, I also uh, met a good friend of mine, uh, Joe, Guy at the Movies on Instagram, and we have the Guy at the Movies podcast that the two of us host, where we go over different types of movie news and everything like that. That's awesome. So today, what we will be doing on this episode is going through Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which just came out in theaters. And then we will proceed to do a non-spoiler, spoiler section, and then go to rank all three of the movies, all directed by the same director, might I add. <laughs> James Gunn, I applaud you. You're, he's one of the better directors in the MCU, if I'm being honest. Definitely. I'm yeah, looking forward he, to seeing what he does with DC. Yeah, he honestly has a really interesting voice, too, because he's one of the directors in the MCU where you can really feel his his directorial style in the, to the movies. So I just want to jump right into the Guardians of the Galaxy non-spoiler section. Uh, I want to start off by asking Sean, what did you think of this movie overall? I mean, I, I quite loved it. Um, I was uh, very personally moved by it. Um, I think it uh, surpassed my expectations in a lot of ways. Um, I was not, I know this is a divisive one, but I was not a volume two guy. I think it was a mm. fine movie, but it just was a little bit rough in the pacing. And so he came back with a vengeance in this one. And, you know, there's there's a little bit of a flaw here and there, but nothing that's really going to cancel out my enjoyment of this movie. Um, you know, I'd say the animal abuse scenes are just really tough to watch. Um, but mm. after all that, it just really was a satisfying movie. I was really happy that it was a great conclusion to a trilogy as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think James Gunn came back with a vengeance on this particular picture. Connor, what did you think overall after watching this movie? I thought it was very good. I saw it yesterday. Um, it's, I'd say that this series in in the realm of the MCU has been one of the more consistent in Marvel and in superhero films in general, partly because they've got that consistent vision from Gunn and because I feel like they give him a little more creative freedom than with most Marvel directors. And so you can see more of his stamp here and in particular with volume three, because I feel like, I feel like he got to do whatever here. Yeah. I have to go out and say it. I think, out of the three of them, this might be the most emotional of the mm -hmm. trilogy, which oh, I definitely. think really resume, resonated with me in this particular installment. I had a blast with this movie, guys, I'm not going to lie. I thought this was a fantastic movie on all fronts. I do, like like Sean said earlier, there's a couple flaws, maybe you can hyper nitpick, but <laughs> overall, this is a really well-paced well acted. I thought the story worked. I loved the bad guy in the movie, which the other Guardians had a little bit of difficulty with their villains. I thought this one was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, Higher Evolutionary was definitely a more memorable villain in this case. 
Um, although Peter's dad in uh, Guardians Two was pr- pretty memorable, I will say, but I feel like I feel like the higher evolutionary, like he was, he worked and was certainly a menacing antagonist with his motivations, especially with the flashbacks to the experiments done on Rocket. Yeah, definitely. Sean, what did you think of the villain in this movie? That's, I mean, it's just re- refreshing to have a villain that you finally don't side with in a Marvel movie. I mean, we argue yeah. that, like, Thanos or Killmonger is like, right. hey, we got, yeah, Thanos was right. Like, you know, Killmonger is like, he's got a point. He's doing it wrong, but he's got a point. And this guy was just an absolute horrible person that you were just rooting to be killed the entire time. It was just, like, like the most satisfying thing is to just... It's, and it wasn't even one note because he was a full body villain, but there was just no complication to him. And I loved that. And I, you know, I, I am a big Oscar guy and let's get, let's get a makeup Oscar for the good old guardians uh, this time, because my goodness, I did not realize that was all practical effects on that villain. And the fact that it is, that's just stunning, stunning work. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, too, the performance from the actor was mm-hmm. really landing for me. I know it's one of those that it really goes out there with, you know, his characterization. The guy's a total asshole in this movie. <laughs> and, like, I don't think they wanted to give him, like, a ton of backstory because you don't want to like this guy, not even a little bit, because of some of the things he does in this movie. Uh, I want to go into this, actually, because it... Since we're talking about the villain, let's talk about the hero. Chris Pratt, paying Peter Quill, steps up to plate once again. I thought he was awesome in this movie. Yeah, even though even though it feels like he was kind of a, at least somewhat of a supporting player in this one, because with, with the Guardians, I feel like each of them kind of get to shine in their own ways, particularly, particularly, I feel like Mantis actually got a bigger role, as well as Drax, and I'm guessing that's a bit of carryover from the holiday special in which they were both both the the ostensi- ostensibly the comic relief of the series but they had a, they're getting bigger roles lately and i mean like that that is a blessing because i we all like both of these characters and they're very funny in it um but i i guess like one issue is that like they the whole shtick does get just a little tired <laughs> I, I really <laughs> loved that um, all of these uh, like characters did kind of get their own conclusion, their own solid arc. There wasn't a character that I felt was tossed aside um, of the ones that we've seen for two to three movies. And yeah. I thought that was the most impressive. Sure, there's a couple of, like, you know, there's a Cosmo Gr- dog that, Groot's, you know, is more for this fun. Yeah, Groot's not really utilized too, too mm-hmm. much here, although he does, like, get a few cool things to do. And I one, like, minor issue that I did have was I feel like they could have handled the Gamora coming back a little better. And even though to begin with, I was pretty skeptical of that because she got such an emotional, like final moment in Endgame. So I felt like bringing it back was kind of a necessary, but also at the same time, it, it does serve the purpose to set up more of the multiverse so I'm, thought, I'm guessing that's Gun, why they include her. I thought her. Gunn handled Gamora the best way he could, considering the complicated yeah. storyline after Endgame. And I have to say, they do they do mention how that whole situation is now infecting Volume Three. And I don't know. I, I appreciated it not going like on a huge tangent the whole time, uh, yeah. speaking about what happened in Endgame. Yeah, it was like kind of more in the background 
And this was one of the few Marvel films in a while that felt kind of self-contained, which can be an issue for some audience members who are expecting another, yet another multiverse storyline, another thing to get set up for later installments, later shows. But I, I was fine with it here. Yeah, speaking from an audience member that's getting a little bit exhausted by the connections, I've been a defender yeah. of Marvel for a very long time from through like the majority of Phase 4, and I'm just now starting to get a little fatigued by it. So this yeah. movie came just in time. Um, I, I think Gamora was an interesting addition um, where that, that was one of my flaws where I feel like she you know, had to re come back into the group. And I feel like that happened a little bit easily. I feel like it was a little bit yeah. inconsistent. But, I mean, I still like the fact that it was a different Gamora and it was there was a different storyline there. And they, like, they paid heed to that. They didn't cheapen that, which I thought was a very yeah. interesting move. Like, we, we know, like, right off the bat that this is, this is a completely different mm -hmm. person than we saw in the first two pictures. Yeah, and I think, too, like, just on the topic of juggling the whole other plot points of the MCU, I thought this movie did better than a lot of, Pre, uh, recent installments uh, yeah. including Wakanda Forever which was just inserting random storylines to get a Disney Plus show and yeah. Ironheart and I, I appreciated that this, this one Freeman. does have like some setups which we'll talk about in the spoiler section yeah. but I thought for the most part it wasn't getting distracted by the core plot of the movie no it like still like stayed pretty focused on the Guardians particular story and especially rockets yes which is the emotional centerpiece of the story and as mentioned before this is this is the part of the film that will give you the feels you are you are worried sick for rocket because first of all a lot of this is happening because at towards the beginning of the film rocket gets severely injured and is is on is basically on ventilation the whole most of the movie and so we we get a bit more backstory on on rocket as a character and his particularly to some audience members i will give a warning some pretty a pretty disturbing backstory this might be one of the darker mcu films yeah, I have to agree with that point. What do you think, Sean? What did you think of that portion of the story? I mean, it was strongly emotionally manipulative. Oh, excuse me. It was strongly emotionally manipulative, but consider me manipulated. It worked. I mean, I was. Yeah. It hit hard. I mean, you know, there, there's a moment where there's a woodland creature that like looks up and says, "What color is the sky?" And I'm like, "Okay, okay, I know what you're doing." And yeah. it's working, it works, but still, though. yeah, it works like, so hard on it was me. Very and I'm effective. not even, I'm yeah. not even a huge animal guy to be honest. Like, I don't even yeah. plan on getting a pet anytime soon. And yeah, I heard. I was emotionally moved by some of the stuff I was watching. Yeah, I've heard criticisms of this film as well that the first of all that the animal cruelty shown in the film as the high evolutionary put does experiments on on these woodland creatures, including Rocket. Um, it wasn't, it's it's not that it's like too graphic, yeah. but it is, it's upsetting. Yeah. Definitely yeah, upsetting. If, if anyone has issues with animal cruelty and watching it on screen, this is a tough watch just to be completely blunt with you. <laughs> I have, a, I have a small little dog named Scooter, and uh, I mm. held him close when I got home. I was just like, oh, buddy, <laughs> like you're okay. <laughs> yeah, but on that same, same note, on that same note, though, 
considering if somebody's favorite character of the Guardians is Rocket, mm-hmm. this is possibly potentially gonna be your favorite Guardians oh, yeah. out of the lot. Yeah, he's he's my favorite if I'm being honest. Yeah. Wow. So I'm interested to see where your rankings go, Connor. <laughs> but kind of pivoting, do you guys have anything more you'd like to say about the non-spoiler review of this movie? Um, a, a few things. I did, first of all, I felt like it was very refreshing that, because we, we did see Quantumania and Eternals and how much worse some of the special effects have gotten in Marvel films, and I have uh, some feelings about their treatment of special effects artists, but for some reason here, it didn't feel like the effects were either incomplete or rushed or like they felt they looked so much better than they than had been lately. And I'm guessing part of it is that James Gunn is a little more willing to use practical effects than in than most other Marvel directors. You see the makeup on some of the creatures, but there's there's a good balance of that with the mocap as well as it seems like they took more care of this one overall yeah i mean it, uh, like one of the things i think about is uh, i can forgive bad effects if you have very stirring and very suspenseful action like i mean it's an overwhelming amount of cgi in that old boy hallway fight scene but it's yeah. very well done it's very well choreographed and so and, and the cgi isn't even that bad still but it's like even if it was i'm entertained and i'm basically yeah. watching an animated movie which i'm okay with doing in that situation i really am but like i loved the world that gun put us in i mean that living planet was just such an imaginative way to do it this production yeah. design is just so much better than you know filming in the volume which is getting tiring now like <laughs> and so they got to really cut the volume stuff out yeah and it feels like, and it also feels like there were some parts where they did film on real sets and locations, mm-hmm. whereas, like, contrast that with Quantumania, which was all green screen. And that's a bit of the bad taste that Quantumania has kind of left in the mouths of a lot of, like, critics and Marvel fans and audiences in general is still a little present, but at, along with the the constant barrage of the Disney Plus series. And that's kind of adding up to a bit of uncertainty about Marvel, which I, after after watching Quantumania and not really caring for it, I felt kind of similarly jaded. Um, but I feel like in that respect, Guardians Volume 3 was a return to form. Yeah. I felt like I was watching, I felt like I was going to watch a phase, phase two or three movie again. Yeah, and I think that's, to Gunn's credit, to be honest, because I don't think there's a single one of these Guardians where I thought even the effects were just, like, completely trash-looking, which, you know, it's tough with this these kind of worlds he's building in these movies because, you know, as people know from the trailers, this one gets pretty wacky at points. I would say out of, like, uh, in terms of trippy Guardian movies, this might be up there as the most trippy what did you, do you yeah, guys do you I, guys think that or are you on a different page? I, I would say it did. I mean, you know, like I'm gonna call it out again that living planet. Like, you know, besides the animal cruelty stuff, that's the stuff that kept me up at night. That was just like this from the sound to like the concept of that. It just really was freaky, and so I think that just that alone, and that was even this deviation that ended up not even mattering. 
because they still couldn't get the kill switch code and we had to go follow the guy somewhere else, which I was okay with that diversion because it was still a fun, adventurous time yeah. where they spent time with each other. But like j- they did that just to like really almost show off, which was quite brilliant in a cinematic way. Yeah, and and also the, some of that some of that surrealism also goes into some of the some of the humor compared to the other Guardians films. Here it's a little more like silly absurdist more than comic relief because i mean mantis does make a guy dance <laughs> it that was pretty amusing to watch although i i don't know if the humor completely worked as well as in other films in the series though i feel but i feel like that's kind of a an issue that at least i'm having with a lot of marvel films lately is that sometimes sometimes not that many times in this film but like only a couple times some of the jokes do interrupt emotional scenes. I think they had to yeah. find that balance, which was very tricky because, you know, yeah, you can't really cut to like a goofy Drax moment after watching Rocket yeah. get abused. And so they really yeah. had to like do, do a little bit of padding between each scene, I think. So you I go think, from... I uh, think, yeah, this one definitely had a different type of style when it came to the humor. But with how dark this movie is, I think they had to go that route of just not sort of slapstick comedy that they were doing in the... In the first couple movies, maybe you can argue volume two, it gets a little darker with some of the plot points. But I think this one, it, it, it def- definitely is a little bit more absurdist, cut to the point comedy that I like. And, and, and I mean, for Christ's sake, this film has the first Marvel F-bomb. That's big. PG-13 F-bomb. Peter Cole be like, open the fucking door. <laughs> How pissed was Samuel L. Jackson where he's like, I wanted to let out one motherfucker and you guys yes. wouldn't let me do it. And then James Gunn lets that happen. It's unbelievable. Like he was dying for that one motherfucker and he gets he gets uh, dusted instead. And then I keep th- <laughs> he's got to be I keep thinking the one, I keep thinking the one post credit scene where he ends up in the blippy. He's like, mother. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. He was just like, I wanted to get it. The I wanted to get it. Nope, still couldn't get it. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought this like, just to like kind of put a cap on this non-spoiler view. This is a great time in the theater, mm-hmm. and I already am gonna predict this. It's gonna break some records of some sort because yeah, I, I went so. to the theater today. I'm visiting some friends in New York, and not a single seat was open. So yeah. this is a mm-hmm. great time, guys. I have. I think word of mouth right is on. gonna help this one as well because I think that what people have been sour about Marvel for a little bit, and I think yeah. people are gonna say, no, 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 this one's good. Maybe the next few won't be, but this one was solid, and I like you know check this one out, enjoy this one. Yeah, this is definitely one of the best Marvel films. I'd say, I'd say in a while, definitely the best oh since God. No Way Home. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Say. I'd agree with that. Agree, yeah. All right, well, that about wraps up our non-spoiler section. We will now dive in straight into the spoiler section of Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> Volume Three. I'm gonna start off this portion of the uh, portion of the episode by asking Sean, what did you like think when Layla just got KO'd there after? You know, having a whole storyline with Rocket as a young raccoon. Well, you know that Rocket was, uh, we met Rocket the first time when he was hanging out with a tree. So you know that he was not hanging out with those three. So you know they were going down. And so I just sort of, like, there was this anxiety I had throughout it, knowing that, like, that escape was not going to go well. I didn't see exactly how it was going to go. I think it was really a lot tougher um, like Lila obviously getting hit was re- very hard and it was very slow. Yeah, and her plus- last word of Sky. But I think the the other two, Rocket blames himself for. 
And I think that's the one, those are the ones that hit the most, I think, because those are just kind of caught in the crossfire and those hurt like almost a lot more, I think. Yeah, because they add so many, like even more layers to Rocket's character mm -hmm. that we don't get to see as much because he has that Brooklynese <laughs> tough guy, sort of, hey, I'm Rocket, sort of <laughs> exterior persona to him. And that those flashback scenes definitely deconstruct that idea we've had about Rocket as a character throughout this whole series. And yeah, yeah, so it becomes all the more powerful. That whole storyline, too, with the captive animals, I thought it was really strong. It might have been one of the stronger emotional points of the movie, if I'm going to be straight up. Easily, yeah. Yeah, and I also think that the way it was executed, because I did think like it was going to like be possible that some of them were going to pass away. Um, just to Because you could kind of see where that storyline was going, even from the beginning. Like I knew kind of deep. I didn't I knew think kind they of, were all going to yeah. get KO'd, just to be yeah. honest. Like, I thought I, at least maybe I, one would come out. But. I, like, knew... I Deep down, like, I thought, like, maybe... Maybe Layla would live. But, and the, the, I knew that the other two, the the walrus and the the rabbit with the bionic arms, which is <laughs> one of the creepier images in Marvel, if I'm being honest. Um, that... I, I knew they would pass away, but I feel like that that additional death of a friend like it feels like the, the it, it's basically that traumatizing scene in every disney movie yeah, yeah it honestly felt like the first toy story when uh woody <laughs> yeah. gets introduced to all the misfit uh characters in sid's room it gave me those yeah. same vibes which same means vibes, that, you yeah. know obviously the scene was executed well because that one freaked me out as a kid <laughs> yeah yeah, and I mean, I, of, I, I, yeah. I saw them all, like, getting axed, but I did not expect us to see them all getting axed. And that was, I think, the really tough part, where I was like, oh, yeah, no, they're they're all gone. Like, like I know this is going to be the motivation behind the way Rocket is, but I just did not expect it, like, yeah. it to be so hit, uh, hard-hitting. But there, there were, that being said, there was no way they were going to kill Rocket. Oh, yeah. Anyhow, yeah. Wow. Obviously. I, was, I, thought I thought they, thought they were they going might, to. They, yeah, I thought they were going to in that scene. A part, a part of me, like, even... A part of me even like kind of wishes they mm. did. Not no offense to no offense to Rocket, <laughs> I love him, but I feel like it would kind of be like if they killed off Han and Empire, yeah. like that kind of like emotional conclusion to that character. That just feels, it just feels like kind of fitting. But at the same time, I, I part of me thinks that it was it did work that they kept him because. This way, he could finish his arc. Yeah, well, and I, I, weirdly, yeah. I, I was just gonna say, I think it works with the arc of him being the leader of the Guardians too, which I yeah, think is becoming, what Gunn wanted him to kind of go through instead of because he's been pretty much beaten down and battered his whole life, and that was like his one kind of moment where like he was able to overcome that weirdly for once. Yeah, because because he's obvious obviously being smaller than the rest of the Guardians. Yeah. Like kind of kind of led him to be almost the sore thumb of the bunch, but he he now now that he's gone through this journey, he and now that Peter's gonna leave, he's got the guardians. Yeah, I gotta give uh, this movie credit because I expected like I honestly said like well 
I, I kind of expected all of them to die because I think they were like hitting this conclusory movement. Um, and I, I give a lot of credit for none of them dying. I think it was way better that way. I think that all of them it, approaching their own solid conclusions in different areas, them having their own agency to complete their own stories is more rebellious than any of them kicking the bucket. And so I love that none of them let die, even though I, I really do hate a death fake out. I, you know, Chewie should have died. I think that like, yeah. I look at something like that where, you know, Peter pretty much like his head practically explodes and he still made it was a little bit tough yeah but at the same time i like his his choice to go back to earth and it was his choice nobody took that from him and i think that's so important for these characters and i i love the way this the ending of this might be the one of the best moments i really did enjoy how they all went on their own and they didn't just like completely just finite their stories I'd have to yeah, agree. I think that I, just subverting that expectation because everyone went into this movie, maybe not everybody, but a <laughs> lot of people went into this movie thinking at least one of them is going to die and they came out all alive and changed, obviously. Yeah, and I I sincerely hope that this is going to be the last Guardians film, which it looks like it will be, even though they did say like Peter Quill will return in the end credit sequence. Because I feel like this was also a fitting kind of closer for these characters as well. And uh, like one could even, uh, somebody could even argue that like Endgame should have been the last MCU film. I mean, like we wouldn't have gotten No Way Home that way. So that wasn't going to happen. But like even then, like it's that similar like like feeling of closure and like having a satisfying kind of conclusion and similarly to almost similarly to no way home yeah yeah i thought i thought too like this one was a tough one to wrap up because like the guardians is such like a different type of group than most of the other groups in the mcu i would say and because they're a little bit more quirky so it was like are they gonna go the more comedic route with their conclusions and they went definitely the more dramatic route yeah i mean People were on the edge of their seat and crying during when when they try to revive Rocket. Yeah. And on that, that same yeah. note, too, I thought the Gamora storyline with Quill really worked and not forcing them to get together at the end. Thank you, Mar- thank yes. you Marvel. Like, I was I was worried about that. They didn't do that whole, like, Kylo Ren situation, if anyone's oh, seen The Rise of Skywalker, which I, <laughs> I thank them for because... I was expecting them to maybe do it just because, like, I kind of had low expectations. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. After oh, Quantumania, yeah. and but this this movie did a good job with that romance. I thought it's a mature yeah. way to finish a relationship where they said, like, you know, hey, I'm not the person you were. Uh, we're we were fun though, right? And Peter's just like, yeah, we were. And I think that was like a, it's a healthy way for Peter to grow. It's a healthy way for Gamora to grow. But they don't betray who their characters are, and I think that was so important with all of these characters. Yeah. Um, I, I had a very good time with Guardians 3. I might also add that the, although they, the action sequence in the hallway is one of the better Mm -hmm. scenes in the MCU, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I thought, I thought this had some, like, some of the strongest scenes of the MCU, like, of all time. Like, I'm not even kidding. I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, any any moments in particular that really 
got you like hooked or i liked the construction of the comedy that they had i mean there was a moment where they put the suits in a uh, in a bin again that doesn't often happen in marvel when you get like immediately after like one part of the action set piece right after somebody blow something blows up they like have a a kind of a cheesy quip afterwards and then a paul and then a music pause for comedy which is a the, I admit, like, as much as I do like the MCU, I do, I do, I have been tiring of that brand of humor. It, they even did it in Werewolf by Night, which I didn't think really worked in that case. But here, as shown in that moment, like, that's a, I feel like that's really James Gunn's strength as a director because he, he's another one of the, few Marvel directors who I feel like got a bit more free reign over the film. Yeah, and kind of on that note too, there was I guess not moment. quite as much not yeah. as much free reign as in The Suicide Squad, which is just like James Gunn. Basically what you do when you give James Gunn like 100 billion to do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, and also there was a moment in the movie that was kind of small, but it was basically Drax giving Peter a pep talk about like moving on from Gamora with the help of Mantis's, you know, good advice. And even small moments like that were really landing for me in this movie. And it's because the comedy worked. Yeah. And they, the one thing I had with one little pet peeve I had with the holiday special that was somewhat corrected here is that a lot of, which is much more comedic than this film is that they, and by the way, if you have not seen the film and have not watched the holiday special, I would do so before seeing Guardians Volume 3 because we get introduced to several characters, including Cosmo the dog, um, as well as this <laughs> whole new, like, like section, station, that is now the Guardians headquarters. Yeah. <laughs> so it is quite significant in the series and, like, helps add a bit more to... Uh, it, there are a lot more scenes with Mantis and Drax in there. But one of the thing, the little issues I had is that, like, a lot of, I guess it's a lot of it focusing on Drax and Mantis, is that a lot of the comedy was just, like, Drax going, like, oh, ha, 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 which, I mean, it's amusing for a few, a couple times, but when you do it a lot, it starts to get stale. But, like, and Drax had plenty of that to do in this, but it did didn't become tiring because you were able to focus on all of the characters kind of yeah, just I as much. Yeah, I honestly thought for the most part Drax's jokes landed. Like when he was eating Zardnuts yeah. and not offering it to Mantis, I, I was getting a kick out of it. He, he, they're all gone. Yeah, that takes one more very quickly. I think, like, he, he, I, I liked that they had Drax as a little bit more of a stinker in this one. He was just a little bit of, a, like, a goofy boy. And I think that's what his, like, um, arc in all this has come into, where he became the goofy dad. And at the very end, he became the father. And it's tough, because, like, oh, yeah, he was a dad in the beginning of this whole thing. And he was, like, searching for vengeance yeah. because his family was killed. And I think that that's, like, a very important, like, uh, road back that he took. And I Yeah, and on the opposite him. of the spectrum is Nebula, and that creates all that interesting tension between the two because she she like constantly lashes out at him for making all these uh somewhat inappropriate jokes for the situation but like 
Mantis even says like we love we love Drax. He makes us laugh, and he and he and he saves all the kids. Yeah, yeah. It's such a it's such a good father figure weirdly because he also has like the goofiness factor with his character that i think i'm gonna say this if they took drax in a direction that was more serious i think he would have been my least favorite guardian for sure and the fact that they didn't do that i think i'm like weirdly he's top three for me if i'm gonna be honest oh yeah i mean in the first movie he was just like a strange odd person that was playing it completely serious the entire time and he slowly begins to react even yeah, and, every and, single bit. And so he just starts to, like, really react every, well with everybody. And I think him and Palm are the perfect, uh, like, you know, Mantis and uh, him are the perfect pair up. Because they have this, like, like balance of emotion and strangeness for one of them. Like, they both have an innocence to them. And so that's why they worked in the holiday special together. Because they're both a little bit dumb. They're both a little bit dim. Um, but they're, they're both a lot of fun to bounce off of each other. Yeah, I think, too, like, just to kind of cap it with Drax a little bit, is Dave Bautista kind of honed in, like, more comfortably with the character by the third one. Because I think even the first one, you can argue, like, I don't know what that character's, like, motivations yeah. are. And by this last one, I'm like, I understand who this who this guy really is. Oh, yeah. I, that's a credit to the actor portraying him. I think we should mention Adam Warlock a little bit, because he kind of mm. has a big component in the movie where he saves peter quill from dying yeah and he has that redemptive arc that i like knew that there were going to be some hints at but i was not sure if they were going to completely go through with it and i i feel like it for the most part it kind of worked yeah i i liked i liked the adam warlock uh of it all because i know a lot of people were critical of uh the uh, portrayal of adam in this and i sort of get it if you're a big fan of oh, comics yeah. and you were really psyched about seeing this character but i mean i'm not a big fan of comics so i don't have that yeah. attachment but i loved this idea of like this is an all-powerful being so what's the weakness well we he's taken out of the oven too early and so he's kind of like a child and in his just mind. Like, and zooms. i think poulter nailed that Poulter was so good so good in this movie he was just such a funny goofy and like I love that first of all he was allowed to speak in his accent which you never hear yeah (laughs) on on a side note I I find it so funny when they have when so many like American films like end up like casting casting like UK or Australian New Zealand (laughs) actors and they're just confined to the American accents and it and to the point where you're almost like is this like kind of their second it, it almost feels like a secondary dialect no i but, even think christian bale can even... at one point was having trouble going back to his original accent <laughs> because he was doing so many you know american characters essentially yeah and also when he and also when he hears native accent you just can't help but think of the terminator salvation tape <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> oh good for you <laughs> Are there any? Uh, Hugh Laurie's another one like that that he just like has this booming British accent, but he did like nine the seasons of House with this smart Alec light voice. Yeah, no, it's it's like I think it's just kind of like to wrap a bow on this spoiler section of this podcast. I think that if if Gunn doesn't manage some of these counterbalancing comedy and drama, and it's a tight line, I must say, I thought he did it really really well in this in this last installment yeah and i'm hoping i'm hope i i am a little cautious about this because it's the dceu we're talking about but i am i am hoping he does like just as much 
good work in the DCEU as he did for as he did for Marvel because that's a universe with like probably even bigger limitations than this one. Well, that about wraps up our spoiler thoughts on Guardians Volume 3. We're going to conclude this episode by really quickly ranking each Guardians movie and briefly explaining why we're putting those in those spots. So we're going to start with our number three picks and then go number two and then finish out number one. So I'm going to start with my number three pick, which is Guardians Volume 2. And Same. my main... Yeah, my main reasoning is... I have to say this. It's still a strong film, one of the better ones of the MCU. But I think some of the plot got a little slow for me at times, if if that makes sense. The pacing wasn't as good as the other ones for me. And I don't know. I just didn't like the ride as much as the other two movies. Okay, my number two is Guardians Volume 1. Oh, so the first oh. Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Hot take. <laughs> yeah. I. So I'm going to talk about number one now. This is a great, great group superhero movie that I think was really tough because, like I said before, comedy and drama to balance it, super difficult, and I thought it did it excellently. Yeah, my my number two is going to be, because my number two is actually going to be volume three because I don't tend to have too much recency bias. I think it's probably mm. like a, a, I guess it's like a slightly more like, like conclusive kind of movie but at the same time i i do it has a couple of like the a couple of the mcu flaws that have that but not quite as bad as they have been lately and again like i feel like it would need to kind of warm up on me for for it to like maybe top the first one which it like i arguably does but but that's kind of where i am right now yeah, mine is going to be volume three for uh, my number two. Um, I, I do quite love it, um, but I, it's not one I'll defend to the death. Like when someone criticizes volume three, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I get that. I get that. I understand yeah. what you're saying there. So that like volume one, though, oof, boy, I'll, I'll, I'll volume. If anyone comes after that one, that is volume one. I'll just like hijack that because it's obviously my number one. It's a yeah, miracle. It's like all, of a movie. So my number yeah. one. Yeah. My number one is obviously Guardians volume yeah. three, which we already kind of talked yeah. about. Let's go into Guardians one which is connor and sean's number one pick it's a miracle of a movie like really a miracle of a movie it's in my it shouldn't have like marvel top five Uh, watching um, like volume three and I was just like grateful that it was still around and it just like made me just happy and bubbly inside. <laughs> yeah. And it, and it came at such a moment. It came, it came during, during phase two mm -hmm. in particular. So we hadn't quite seen something really, really like this in Marvel. There, there had obviously been the humor and, some of the kookiness, but not quite as much as it, as it was here. And that was part of the charm of Guardians Volume 3. It was a different direction for Marvel. Because as soon as I saw that first trailer when I was a kid and it first came out, I was like, this is going to be an interesting <laughs> pivot for Marvel, whether it works or not. And, yeah. and it did. 
What a bunch well, of a-holes. Part of that pivot being the guy from Parks and Rec was oh, yeah. the star of this movie, which yeah. I think has to be said, this Chris Pratt showcase, in terms of like his big budget showcase, was was awesome. Like I yeah. did not see this coming from the Parks and Rec guy, I'm going to be right. honest. Yeah, he was definitely more like utilized in Volumes 1 and 2 in particular as well. Yeah. So they you ha- have a somewhat like more clear leader of the of the guardians in in that case and plus it's just like such a it's just such a well done one of the better comic movies in in a minute even though i will say there are a couple of editing issues in some of the action sequences which kind of isn't really a problem with the film as much as it is with most american action films like during the fight scene between gamora and nebula there's a particularly bad edit when she kicks her in the face <laughs> and i was like uh hong kong cinema would not do this <laughs> yeah i also i think too um the fact that it came after avengers i was a little bit skeptical when yeah. the first movie came out and it just surpassed every single expectation yeah. and because because that end to phase one is like at that point that was the benchmark for yeah. marvel this was it I know it, it's it's eleven years ago already. It's already and it it it's not that long ago historically, but it feels like an eternity since we've had like kind of relatively self contained Marvel movies to, at, leading up to that big moment of the Avengers. And so where do we go from here? And then all of a sudden, James Gunn is hired to direct who. Who did um he did had just done Super and yeah. Slither, which were both like kind of ironic Cold hits. genre yeah. films. But so it was we were definitely gonna get something quirkier, but we weren't sure if he could, you know, revive these kind of obscure characters from the comics, one of which is a talking raccoon and the other one's a talking tree who says, I am Groot the whole time. Yeah, and no, as, think, as well as a mentally this, yeah. handicapped big guy named Drax. Yeah, and, and I think it'd be hard to argue that I I I think this first Guardians movie has the best music drops, the oh, best yes. needle drops oh, by far. By far, I think these. I think the soundtrack in this might be certainly one of the more iconic film soundtracks in this century. I. Like, who hasn't listened to the awesome mix at least three times? It is nuts that I, like, actually downloaded that from iTunes, like a freaking fed. Like, I didn't even, like, illegally take it. I was like, yeah, no, yeah, I'm my buying brother, this. My brother gets vinyl sometimes. He got the Guardian's vinyl. That's an, because that's gotta be he awesome has good vinyl. taste in music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that works probably best on an album, oh, yeah, if anything. <laughs> and that yeah. was also one I kind of warmed up to the more, I, the more times I watched it. Mm-hmm. Cause the the first time I saw it, I I enjoyed it, but I was a, I was like not quite sure, and then the and that's but that now that's a film like whenever yeah. it comes on, I I don't mind putting it on. And it's so tricky because it is like a like not even just like a talking raccoon and a talking tree. There there's like like in, like several alien races and a war, and they're trying to pack all of this in, and they do it with like a clever limited amount of exposition. So you if you really try to think during it, it's tough, but. In general, it's still like a rockin' good time if you just accept, okay, the Blubikans are invading Blubikistan, and then, you know, you're fine with it, and you just kind of enjoy that and buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we are, we are Groot. Yeah, man, we are Groot. <laughs> we are Groot. Well, that about wraps up 
our rankings for this episode today. I just want to thank Sean again for hopping on this episode. It was really fun talking to you about Guardians. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This was a great time. Thank you. Do you have any uh, plug that you want to give for our followers to maybe go follow you on Instagram, TikTok? Of course, Math Teacher Movies on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, but I'm not really on Twitter that much. I try, but it's mm. just not great. Um, and uh, then also the Guy at the Movies podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes come out every Monday. Awesome. Yeah, guys, I'm not going to lie. Some of his TikToks make me laugh, and I'm in public areas, and I don't want to laugh at that time, and I start cracking up. So this guy has some great – and also he does reviews on movies that are not typically seen. Yeah, I, I go you deep in doing... the Criterion channel. <laughs> yes. That's Monkey awesome, you're it. dude. Yeah, keep it up because it's good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, then it, also on that note, please subscribe to Before Showtime on either YouTube or go follow us on TikTok if that's more your preferred type of media because, yeah, this is what we're going to do for the future. Try to get as many guests that are willing to be on here and – discuss movies so thanks a lot for making it this far and catch you next time on before showtime with connor and marcello